This afternoon in the, in the sermons, the topic for us is the Lord's Prayer, Lord's Day 46 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and we're uh, starting with those first couple words of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father in Heaven. So in connection with that, I'd like to read Scripture, Psalm 103, and 1 John 3, but also let's add one more, it's Matthew chapter 18. Psalm 103, first of all, and we're looking for the address for our Father is Father. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. Its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers or you servants of His who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, just a few verses there. Matthew 18. Verses 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And then let's turn to 1 John 3. First John 3, page 1400, we'll read the first nine verses. Behold, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Whoever abides in Him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, and he might, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. So those are three passages in connection with being called children, and we call God Father. Let's turn to the Heidelberg Catechism for a reference of the church's summary of that teaching. Page 560 in the Book of Praise. Lord's Day 46. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God which should be basic to our prayer. God has become our Father through Christ and will much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. To expect from His almighty power all things we need for body and soul. After the sermon, Psalm 103, let's sing those verses 5, 6, and 9. loved by Jesus Christ our Lord to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that's a, a summary in the catechism that we're using these special words our Father in heaven to awaken in us that we would be alert it's too bad, often the beginnings of our prayers, maybe it's not just me, maybe it's other people too, but at the beginning of our prayer, we use a few words to announce, really, we're beginning our prayer. And then we get to the very end, and we use something like amen to announce that we're finished. And everything in, in the middle is what we mostly mean, but the beginning and the end, let's just get started, and we start with our Father, who art in heaven, and then there's the stuff we mean, and we get to the end, and we say, we're done. Amen. That's kind of 
how I've seen the weakness in my own prayer life is I don't intend to start intentionally with those words, Our Father in Heaven. And when we hear the Catechism warning us to use these words to awaken in us, I think of a lot of prayers throughout the world. No matter what religion you have, there are prayers that go on autopilot. Um, I got to see uh, some Buddhist prayer wheels. They're not really prayer wheels. If Buddha's people from the Buddhist religion don't really believe in a god, so that doesn't make it prayer. They would call them mantra machines, maybe. They are wheels that spin, and sometimes they power them with wind, so that these wheels, which have little messages on them, when the wind blows, it would just spit out the messages, even with some dinging sounds, gong sounds, it, it would do the praying for you in the wind. It's a clever idea, a prayer machine. Hopefully your prayers aren't like that, especially because you're a child praying to your father. You're not just going to mutter sounds because that's not the point. You're praying to your father and you're using thoughts, words, messages. You're commanded to pray. And there's ways that you can mechanically get these words to come out. But that's not the point. Remember last time? The point was, I think it was last week, that we would ask God to open the floodgates of grace into our lives. And that we're actually praying urgently. Lord, we need your grace to flow for us to be thankful to you. And so we have to learn to be children who beg for grace, who beg for favors. Children who have no power over their parents, try as they might. The message I'm bringing is, pray our Father in heaven. Start with this bold humility. Humility, first of all. Why has Christ commanded us to address God as our Father? The Catechism says, to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God which should be basic to our prayer. That we would be awake to the fact that we are children humble children. You're saying, our Father, I'm a child. And so, what about this childlike reverence and trust? Reading Matthew 18 is very helpful for, for realizing that Jesus has a child get up in front and the child stands and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And, and smart people have spent hours trying to study this, trying to figure out what is it that makes a child humble? Because anyone that knows a child, a child who can stand up, no less, is not exactly a humble person. I find a safe direction to go with this is to use the expression that we use when you're humbled. 
There's an external humility, a status of humility that we can agree every child has, whether they're proud or not. They're in a humble position. They are unable to do very much. And the point of our Lord Jesus Christ is he has this child stand up and he says, unless you know your humbled status, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You need this kind of dependence. You can't go a minute without that kind of humility. You were first arguing about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You realize though, that you have to be dependent on your Father to be great in the kingdom? The point is, you, you, we lack humility. And the direction is usually the wrong direction. We, we tend to think we'll grow out of this. That the closer we are to God, don't you find this? That the more you grow spiritually, maybe one day I will be less dependent on the Lord. Because that's the way it is with children. You think, okay, they grow up, and they wean themselves off of their parents. But the fact is, we depend on the Lord more. The more we get to know Him, and the more we get to know ourselves. You will always be a child. A child of God. How do you bring that point across? You see Psalm 103? As a father has compassion or pity on his children. It's not too often you hear a father mentioned in the Old Testament like God being our father. And here is Psalm 103. You, are, you hear that God is like a father. And you have this comparison. As a father has this compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed. He remembers we are dust. That's critical to humility. Remember that you are dust. And it doesn't have to mean you are bad dust. It just remember, where was the first time we heard of dust in the Bible? God forming Adam and Eve out of the ground. He formed them out of the dust. And to say that we are dust is to say we are a creature and God is creator. So who are we? We're dust. And then Psalm 103 goes even further. Just so you remember, you depend on God. You are like grass. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And the place remembers it no more. You want to emphasize that you are fragile? That you are weak? Just remember you're grass. You have no way of impressing God. You have, at the beginning of your prayer, you're going to say, Our Father, you have no way of saying, Listen to me because I really amount to somebody. You can't force God's attention. You have nothing to make Him listen. Except your greatest strength, your greatest power is, I'm a child, your child. Do you know who you are in God's sight? 1 John 3, this really brought this out. 1 John 3, how great is the love of the Father that He has lavished on us. Translations like, abundantly, generously, richly poured His love on us. That, what kind, how has He done this? He's called us 
children of God. And that is what we are. You know, this morning we heard about redemption, being redeemed. How great is the love of the Father that He has redeemed us. We're like prodigals called back, rescued, brought into the Father's home again. So you need to start out your prayer consciously, like alert, awake, that He is your Father and that you are a child. That's the attitude we begin our prayer with. Let's go to our second point here. To begin with humility, make sure that you are bold in your humility. Some people might put these as opposites. Isn't boldness like tone it down a bit? Don't you say that to somebody who's bold? It's to be fearless and brave and courageous before God. And you're not just praying our Father, but I want to add these two words now to highlight this. You're praying our Father in heaven because you are, you're aware that God is mighty. He's majestic in glory. And Psalm 103 was doing a great job of this, reminding us the throne of God in heaven. Remember how the psalm gets to the end there. His kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you His angels, you mighty ones who do His will, who obey His word. Praise the Lord, all His heavenly hosts, you servants who do His will. And you have this glimpse of heaven, hopefully. Surrounded by creatures He has made, servants at His right hand. And they're praising His greatness, and they're on standby, always. Lord, what can we do? Send us. Send me. You're given a glimpse of this heavenly host, and then you mutter a prayer, kind of like on autopilot, like these mantra wheels, like our Father in heaven. Do you, do you realize you just said, our Father in heaven, and He has this host who He could just instruct, and they would come running. They would be here in a moment. So, be bold. You're not wasting God's time. You sure you're not getting a glimpse into heaven so you know all His power and authority. He can do anything. You're not getting a glimpse into heaven to see all of this crowd of creatures doing nothing, bored out of their tree. No, He has them shown to you. These are ministers. They are servants of the elect. And so you're not wasting God's time when you ask Him to do anything, to provide what you need, to, to glorify His name, to do things in your life, in, in the kingdom of God. You, you, you think you're interfering with something in heaven? You're not wasting God's time any more than a child wastes mom or dad's time by asking for help. And you have to go in the direction Lord's Day 46 of the Catechism is doing. Why is there added in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. 
but to expect from His almighty power all things we need for body and soul. There should be some expectation in your prayer. There should be a sense of God's heavenly majesty. Picture the throne room in heaven. You're not praying to some customer service manager who's got no time for you. He's not too busy for you. He's not going to ignore you. Instead, expect from His almighty power all things we need for body and soul. Be bold. I really need to emphasize this because prayer life can be so apologetic, especially for Canadians. Prayer life. You're always giving a way out for God so that He doesn't have to respond like a child calling out to his father saying, Lord, you see the situation I'm in? Please, rescue me. And you tend to be apologetic. Sorry. You might be too busy right now. You've got more important things to do. So you have a really impressive picture in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, We read that about the child that Jesus Christ has in front of the people. And I really think this captures the boldness of a child. You know, we heard the humility part, and you're like, a child is humbly dependent. There's something about the status of of a child that they need things. They, They are dependent people. But then, you notice in Matthew 18, the age of that child kind of threatens this. The child stands. Jesus has him stand among them. So whatever picture you have of someone who is great in the kingdom of heaven, you know that this is someone who can speak. Someone who is not always the most polite and most respectful. A child insists on his or her way. That's the age of the child from from all we can tell. We know this is, in this case, Matthew 18, it's not an infant. And you can't force God's hand, but there is something impressive about the way a child will pray. The way a child will speak to his mom or dad incessantly, insistently, urgently, like mom or dad cannot ignore a child, or they wish they couldn't. Your heavenly Father does not always answer right away. And we lose what a child has. A child expects things. But as adults, we stop expecting. We begin our prayer with our Father in heaven because we must have this expectation that He actually listens. That He actually cares. That He will respond. So your Father in heaven is teaching us, pray like a child. Remember the boldness of a child? It seems that they have infinite energy to tire their parents out. 
even when they get no for an answer, no, they take that to mean not yet. And they will try again and again. How about now? Now can we? Don't forget how the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to pray our Father in heaven. That we know our Father in heaven will answer. He has wisdom. There's reasons why we might not get an instant answer. He has wisdom. He has all the power in the universe. Hebrews 12 reminds us to look up to heaven. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorned its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you know that our prayers tend to grow weary? We don't have the stamina. We stop praying to God as urgently as we should. The longer your prayers go unanswered, the easier it is to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ the longer your prayers go unanswered, the easier it is to be weary, grow, losing heart, and, and it's like you have permission to give up. Obviously, he's decided. And yet, the Lord Jesus is teaching us to pray for all these things, what we need for body and soul, like his name being hallowed, lifted up, his kingdom to come, his will to be done. He's teaching us to pray for these good things, daily bread, forgiveness of sins, being saved from the evil one. And as we pray, we might lose heart and think, is that really a good thing that I'm praying for? I'm not sure. It seems like God is distant from me. So we're taught to be bold in our prayers, even or especially when the Lord is slow to show the answer. To persevere. You remember this widow, the oppressed widow in Luke 18. She goes to the wicked judge. You, you know there, that parable there, to pray and not give up. That's the whole point of the parable. And there you are shown the widow. She's asking and pleading until the judge was thinking, she's going to wear me out. And that's how a human thinks. The judge would be worn out before the widow gives up. And so the Lord says at the end of that parable, will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? And the answer is, of course not. I tell you, God will see that you get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus left that, that question at the end of the parable. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? As in, will you have given up? Will you have grown weary and lost heart? Will you lose what a child has? That persistent boldness. It's a fair question. 
It's easy to forget your father is in heaven. You start to think of him in an earthly manner. As if he is sick of hearing you pray for the same thing. As if closed doors somehow tells you, well, I guess that's the answer. Through Jesus Christ, your, God has become your Father in heaven. Don't think of His heavenly majesty in an earthly manner as though He's impatient with you and limited and weak and only can hear so many prayers and so many hours from so many people. Let's expect from His almighty power all that we need for body and soul. So low, uh, let's not lower our expectations. Psalm 103 as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion. He has pity on those who fear him. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. So he puts this prayer in our heart. Start your prayer with the thrust of a child. Our Father in heaven. And start this prayer not on autopilot, not like a machine, but start it with confident boldness, with humble confidence. Put your attention on your Heavenly Father as you begin your prayer. Amen.